Topics that concern your life, your community, and your safety. This is 5-0 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Here's what you need to know. Thank you for joining us for the 5-0 Show. I'm Jamie Rothschild, the coordinator of the Silent Witness Program. This is Sunday, September 12th. And the reason that that's so important is obviously yesterday was September 11th, the 20-year anniversary. So today I'm joined by a friend and a co-worker. He does some amazing things in the nonprofit world and something uh, in his past that we, we don't get a chance to talk about. So first and most importantly, thank you, Guillermo Memo Arubla, for joining us. Thank you, Jamie, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. A lot of people know you as a sergeant with the Phoenix Police Department. I think everybody knows you as Memo. Um, but it, when they really sit and talk to you is when they realize the depth of the nonprofits that you're involved in. And I know we're going to talk about some other things today, but I never want to overlook how much you do for the community. Can you talk a little bit about the nonprofits you manage and why you manage them? Yeah, so I manage just one nonprofit, and I have a side business that is tied to that nonprofit. Uh, so the nonprofit is B Street AZ, which focuses on hip-hop culture, and we use it as more so of a facade to teach kids uh, technological and life skills. Uh, and then the side business is, you know, media production where we work on website design, photography and videography. But we also employ some of the kids from the nonprofit through that business. A lot of folks, when they talk about what they do, you can see the excitement in their eye. And, and, and you always have spoken incredibly highly of police work. You've been doing this for, for more than a minute. Uh, but when you talk about your nonprofit, it's when I really see you kind of lean in. You seem like it's it's not even work. Is this a passion that you just – it doesn't feel like work? Or And, and, and I don't want to minimize running a nonprofit is hard, but what does it feel like to, to do that and to see the impact that you've had on communities? Well, it's, it's a passion for me just helping, uh, more so because of my personal upbringing and, you know, kind of wishing that I had certain figures in my life that would have helped me, you know, in terms of guidance. Uh, thankfully, at least I like to think that I ended up okay. Uh, but more so also the team that I work with, uh, everyone that I work with over at B Street AZ, they're amazing, phenomenal, and just uh, everyone is there for the right reasons. It's not, you know, how much am I making or any of that. It's more so, you know, working with the kids and then just kind of seeing that flourish. And since we've been around for some time, we've actually had the opportunity and the blessing to see some of our kids grow up to now come back and be part of staff. Hey, can you give out the information if anyone wants to learn more about your nonprofit or be a part of helping? What, how would they get more information? Sure, absolutely. You can go to the website. Uh, that's BeatStreetAZ.org. B-E-A-T StreetAZ.org. Before the show started, Ed, the producer, and I were sitting here, and we're giving you a hard time because I've always told people you look incredibly young, um, deceivingly young. Uh, <laughs> and I try never to bring this up because this is your story to share, but I think most people, when they see you and, and you do appear young, uh, they have a hard time believing that you were a police officer in NYPD when 9-11 happened. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, and I know that that's, it's, it's, it's a lot to put on you, but... It's just hard for a lot of us to get our minds around. No, I appreciate that, Jamie, and uh, thank you for the. I think it's the height thing that people or lack know, of look, look that I look so young. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, yeah, I was. Uh, so yeah, I was a officer during 9/11. Uh, on that day, I was working. Um, we were working the city elections, which uh, as as an officer, you're assigned to poll sites. Um, you know, heard uh, over the trans over the radio that a plane had hit. Um, the Twin Towers, um, 
you know, for us, we just thought it was an accident. We just thought it was just another plane. Um, I don't know if a lot of people remember, but like a week prior to that, there was a baseball player that actually flown a plane into his private plane into a building. So we were just kind of like, oh, is this just another accident? It wasn't until the second plane hit that we knew for sure. 100% without a doubt that we were under attack, like this was deliberate. Um, not so much in the grand scheme of the nation being under attack, but more so just uh, we're like, oh, New York is definitely under attack. Uh, we got mobilized. Um, and just kind of fast forward the day. Uh, we weren't allowed to actually get to ground zero uh, just because they thought the bridges uh, were going to be the next target. So we had to just kind of sit there and wait. Uh, when I actually got to ground zero, uh, it was surreal. It's the best way I can put it uh, to see literally a mountain of metal um, and then the debris, the fire burning. I mean, just the smells There's certain smells that kind of trigger certain memories for me. But it was in the chaos, the chaos of everyone not knowing what to do. When I say everyone, I'm talking about first responders. I'm talking about officers, firefighters, just kind of trying to figure out what just took place. Um, but uh, it was a lot of emotions. The one thing that I would say in the bright side of 9-11 was just the way uh, the city came together. Uh, I know the world came together. We had a lot of help from outside uh, entities from state and country. Uh, but just being growing up in New York, <laughs> as they say, the New York attitude, uh, it is real. But uh, just to see how everybody just kind of really came together and, and more so the support for law enforcement, because, I mean, we, we, were, we haven't been popular in New York for quite some time. So uh, just the way everybody just showed their support and love for us was was truly amazing. Knowing the culture and, and I tell you all the time, I'm from upstate New York. You're from real New York. Um, and knowing NYPD, NYFD. This starts to happen. Folks, I'm imagining, are streaming in. They're not being called in. They're heading in. You talk about not being able to get to the scene. Was there a feeling of helplessness? Are you watching this on TV, trying to absorb? Uh, are you in communication with your family? Like, what's going through your mind? So it, it was frustration. Um, just the fact that, you know, you, you sign up for a job to help, uh, regardless of whatever happens. Uh, and the fact that we couldn't go to help and you're hearing the radio transmissions of you know officers who thought they were going to die that day um, you know just kind of saying their last words over the radio and you know there's tons of civilians down there you know just needing aid so it was very frustrating and and also just um, I think the other frustrating part it wasn't you know because in today's age of uh, for a lot of us, we're so accustomed to being able to communicate so freely and openly and so immediately. Uh, back then, that wasn't the case. A lot of us had, you know, analog phones. So uh, I couldn't get a hold of my family till I think it was three days in that I was actually finally able to get a hold of family and let them know that I was okay. Um, and just to, to hear people on the other end of the line, you know, that kind of sigh of relief and, you know, some tears were shed. It was uh, it's just an emotional roller coaster, if you will. But um you know, um, a lot of good did come from it. You and I were talking on the way over here, and, and there's folks, um, and, and we can hire them as officers that weren't even alive when this happened. So when you talk about analog phones or when you talk about the overwhelmed 911 and, and phone system, uh, for a lot of people that might be hard to even understand. To your point, there are some good things um, that were built as a result. The communication and interoperability among law enforcement, fire department, state, local, federal, as a result of that. But being there that day, hearing the frustrations when you talk, now you get the word, okay, we're heading in. I'm, you're getting into a van or something. What's going through your mind then? 
just you have hope that you're going to actually find somebody or help somebody or you know actually make some somewhat of a difference in somebody's life uh when when you get to the scene um and again once we did get there it was just that was kind of shattered just cuz you didn't you 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 imagine what you're going to you know face as as you roll up to ground zero but uh yeah there's there's no way to describe it i mean once we got there we realized you know just kind of the monumental task that was at stake here that we were like yeah this isn't going to happen overnight there has to be a moment or or probably a lot of times a moment where the enormity of the situation overwhelms you you look around like incredulous like i can't believe i'm here um i'm scared i'm worried all those things come crashing down do you stay in work mode during that scene does it impact you when you finally do leave how does that how does that hit you so it was a little different for uh, everybody just kind of played it out differently for us we were put on 12 hour shifts 12 on 12 off the marriott down there at the time opened up for us and they volunteered to allow us to stay there so a lot of us didn't go home for quite some time um, so we were in work mode once you got on that pile or you were assigned to because they didn't have us all do the same task every day just for psychological you know trauma purposes so they rotated us but it was one of those things that you know there were certain times where you did have those down days where you know whether you were put on a post to just transport you know uh, volunteers or you know first responders so there were times where you kind of forgot that you were at ground zero and and and, and that was needed it was needed in the sense of you know just kind of for your for your own sanity, um, you know, just because of what you were surrounded by, you know, you would see them pulling out bodies and things of that nature. So it was just those those moments were needed. And, uh, you know, there's one particular um, volunteer that I remember from the American Red Cross, who uh, sweet little lady, and she started singing New York, New York to us. It was just one of the sweetest moments that I remember. And just every time I think about it, it brings a smile to my face. But because uh, she really did remove us from that that environment in that moment that we all kind of just drifted away in our minds. Um, so it wasn't all just work while we were down there, but, um, you know, when we did get up on, on that hill or, you know, whatever position, uh, post you were assigned to, uh, yeah, you were definitely in work mode. I, I never want any of our guests. I never want you cause you're my friend to be defined by one thing in their life. I think what most people know you as the nonprofit guy. And the reason I give you uh, a hard time about how young you look is, you're probably one of the most balanced people I know in terms of work-life balance, what matters. You, you could not love your family anymore. You could not love your career anymore. But but your priorities are 100% in line. How did that event help shape your priorities today? Oh, and it did. <laughs> That's a very great question. Um, I remember... Just kind of taking it all into account uh, when I finally got the chance to go home, see my family, see my son. Uh, it was one of those things that it, it taught me to not take little things for granted. And also, I mean, I know we say this time and time again, you know, I oh, don't stress the little things in life. But it was one of those things that like I took it to heart. And from that moment on, uh, you know, from my lips to God's ears, it was one of those things where I truly said, you know what? I'm going to learn how to manage stress from here on in and, you know, just, you know, take day by day and just appreciate what comes my way day in, day out. Even even the hardships and the obstacles, I see them as learning opportunities or opportunities of growth and not let it kind of eat, eat away at you. I know you probably still have family back there. Do you maintain any close contacts or is that just such a a part of your past that it's it's difficult to do that? No, I, st- I still do. Um, even my partner at the time, you know, I still talk to him daily. Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, this 
it's our history and it, and it's part of what defines us today and you know such such a historical moment which not only changed us personally but it changed the way we live just in the grand scheme of things so uh it's something definitely that you know we talk about um you know obviously the good stories though we shy away from you know the trauma and the bad stuff but it's it's one of those things that i think it needs to be told and and somewhat relived uh just to give us that fresh reminder of you know you know again appreciating the little moments in life so something i've never asked you uh we've been friends for years um at least i consider us friends <laughs> no we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah, legacy is you know you you're investing so much into your family into the nonprofit, into your job uh into your other job what do you want to be best known and remembered for because i know your reputation now but what do you want to be rep- uh, remembered for when you leave this career I, I don't care so much of being remembered uh i think uh, in terms of legacy, uh, which is something that you know has has the question has been thrown at me in the past, and you know I always answer with this: it's just more so the influences that you have on people's lives, whether they remember you by name or whether it was a presentation or just an action that you did, uh, and, and that trickles just not only through to my family, and my sons, but you know friends, family, whoever, whoever I inspire or motivate or influence in whatever way, uh, hopefully in a positive. Um, that's what I love to leave behind and hence why I like to help so much because you just never know when you're going to have that influence on somebody uh, and possibly guide them uh, in the right direction, whatever they're dealing with in, in that moment in time. You couldn't be having more of a community impact. You work in community engagement and as a nonprofit. Where do you want the nonprofit to go for, from here in the one minute we have left? Uh, I would just like to expand and, you know, kind of just see it. I mean, at some point, the vision is to have it in different states, but, you know, baby steps. <laughs> one more time for anybody who has information, please. They want to learn more about your nonprofit or you. Where do they go? Uh, you can go to bstreetaz.org. Uh, again, that's B-E-A-T, streetaz for Arizona.org. And Memo, I got it just on a personal note of thanks. Uh, you always get stuff done. You're, you're known as a doer. I've seen projects come up and they're like, well, include Memo, ask Memo, thank Memo. Uh, but the reality is, and somebody told me, you know, if you look at a duck, smooth sailing up top, but the feet are going furiously underwater. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of how you are, man. Yes, you're sir. always working hard, but you never treat people poorly. You never stress yourself out. You never stress others out. Uh, I thank you so much for what you did uh, in the past career, what you're doing now, and what you're doing tomorrow. Thank you to Bonneville for this time to add our producer. Thank you to you, the listening audience. Until next week, stay safe. You've been listening to 5 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. For more about Silent Witness, go to silentwitness.org. That's silentwitness.org. Or call 480-WITNESS. That's 480-948-6377.